0: song. Amen. Song of commitment. I've decided to make Jesus my choice. Amen. We have to make these decisions. Make them firm Amen. for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for the beautiful music all morning and for wonderful service Let's bow our heads again one more time. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit take over now, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 My inspiration for today's message came as I was cleaning um, a bed of lilies I have in the front of my yard. And I noticed how closely the weeds resembled the lilies, so that I had to slow down and pay attention so that in trying to pull up the weeds, I did not also pull up some of those precious small little lily plants, thinking that they were weeds. And I think I I did a few, because no matter how careful you try to be, um, you go, oops, oh, that was not a weed, that was a lily. And so my mind went to this passage of scripture. I was, as I recall that, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 to 30. Matthew chapter 13, and I want to read in your hearing, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 to 30. And I'm reading in the clear word Bible, but follow along in whichever Bible that um, you have. And he said, then Jesus turned back to the people on the shore and said, the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed his whole field with good seed. But during the night, his enemy came, sowed weeds over the field, and then went back home. When the good seeds sprouted, the weeds came up too. When the field workers realized what had happened, they came to the owner and said, we know that you gave us good seeds to sow in the field, but now the field is full of weeds. Where did they come from? The owner said, my, my enemy did this. Then the worker said, we'll just go and pull up the weeds before they get too big. But he stopped them saying, if i let you pull up the weeds now no matter how small they are you'll pull up some of the wheat sprouts too it's already too late for that we need to let them grow beside each other until harvest time then we'll go out and harvest the wheat and the weeds together after that we can separate them this where we won't hurt the grains, and we can store it safely in the barn. The weeds will put aside and later burn." And I thought about that, and I understood a little clearer just then the message that Jesus has in this parable about weeds and tears growing together until the harvest, and why he decided that they should grow together. You know, we think about the times we are living in, and this illustration is as new today as it was when Jesus spoke it to his disciples. We can start from Genesis chapter 3. The first tear was sown in the heart of Adam and Eve and has permeated the hearts of mankind since then. From a world view, we can see it's in the heart of the active shooters who prey on children at school, in the classroom, or in the public places, or in churches, We see this tear in the heart of the inhumanity towards each other that we exhibit every day. We see it in the abuse of all kinds that many suffer, the inequality that we see upon the earth. We see it in the oppression, the breakdown of respect to God and man. And we can go on and on how much we see these weeds manifest themselves all around us in the worldview. It brings us disappointment, sickness, debt, it is the weed of Satan, it's the seed that was planted back then, and it has not stopped its course since then. But I am so grateful to God that he has a plan. We have hope. It's not not all over. But you know, although all of that is true, this parable seemed to narrow its focus close to home. It really represents those of us who become wheat by allowing Jesus to plant the seed of righteousness in our hearts and confirm it with baptism, like we witnessed last Sabbath. Wasn't that a wonderful baptism service? Yes. This is what the Bible is talking about. And but amongst those who are converted, Satan comes in and he sows tears. You know, the main goal of the enemy is to discourage the growth of the children of God and to dishonor the vineyard, the the owner of the vineyard. That's his goal. If he can discourage our growth, if we can remain stagnant and not grow as Christian, and if the world can look at us and we are ineffective Christians who does not portray the true love of God, then that he has reached his goal. And so we are grateful that God has an antidote for the Christians that we shall overcome by the grace of God if we continue to hold on to him. The wheat and the tears will grow, but God will give us the strength to rise above all the agents of Satan. And we are so glad for that today. Don't be mistaken, the word of God seeks to remind us that Satan has live agents here at church, whose work it is to distract the children of God and get us discouraged from the path of Christ Satan has experienced the gift of eternal life. And he doesn't want us to experience it. He knows what it is to be in heaven, to be with the Father. And now he's forever banned from there. And so his job right now is to try his ever best to keep us from that experience that God wants us to have and to make us ineffective in our Christian walk. But God has a plan to give us victory, amen? Amen. Victory. And if we can keep in mind the main goal that Satan is after, we can find a way with the help of the Holy Spirit to be an overcomer and to rise above the evil that the devil will throw at us every day. You see, once you ask Jesus into your life, you have started a war between good and evil. You know, from then on, he wants you back in his kingdom, but God wants to hold on to you and never let you go for eternity. But we have to keep on God's side, choose Him every day of our lives in order for that to have happen. But God has a way of escape for us. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 tells us, God is faithful. God is what? Faithful. God is faithful. He will not let us be tempted above. Or ability he will find a way of escape so we will be able to endure he said he is faithful and he'll find a way there's hope my friend L- keep looking up and pressing onward and victory will be sure I want to look again on the line in that passage of scripture I just read at verse 25 in Matthew 13. It said, While men slept, the enemy came and sowed seed. You know, that stuck in my mind. While men slept. Brothers and sisters, we have to be awake and alert and about our father's business because while men slept, is when the enemy come in and sow seeds of discouragement and despair and everything that is not of God. First Peter 5, verse 8 to 10 tells us t- to be alert at all times, because the enemy is seeking ways to devour us. He has so many ways and so many plans to cause us to lose salvation. He seeks our mind, our heart. He wants our intellect. He wants us, all of us. And so does God. And so Proverbs 4 and verse 23 tells us, asks us to watch over our heart with all diligence because from it flows the spring of life. Watch over what you allow to enter your mind and the decisions that we make every day. Watch carefully every day because it's through these avenues that Satan will enter and destroy us. Don't allow anyone or anything to come between the choice you made to follow Jesus. Give your mind over to Jesus every day. This comes through daily prayer and thanksgiving. Colossians 4, verse 2 said, remind us to be persistent, to be devoted to prayer. You know, as we reach up to God and you think about the lily stretching itself up towards God. Even the weeds around it become smaller as it stretches up to God. And so there are a lot of things going on around us, a lot of cares. We're just a mess here on planet Earth. But if we reach up to Jesus in prayer, you will find that the things of this world will seem so different because we know that we have Jesus on our mind, but we have to be persistent. You know, this is not something we do today and then maybe the end of the week, um, we have some time and we do it again. And we have to do it with a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. Don't just ask. If you ask, he will give you. Jesus wants to give us what is good more than we are willing to ask. But he also wants us to show gratitude to him, to say thanks. So I'm going to pause to say thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of being here this morning and delivering your word. I thank the Lord this morning for the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, nothing here would make sense. Thank God for the Bible that I can dig into and grow as a Christian. And even though I make mistake, I can go back and I can get new life, new food to continue to grow. I thank God for the family here at Garland. I thank you so much for the special hug and the special love and the special care. You know, sometimes we don't say these things. We wait until it's too late to be grateful. So I just want to say today thank you so much for being the church. I came here to Texas and came to this church. I knew no one, no one but a friend of my in-law. That's all I knew. And today there are so many people I can call uh, if I have a problem or an issue I can talk to. So many people, they have become family to me here in this part of the world. So I just want to take the opportunity to say thank you so much for being a friend, being a church member, being a brother, being a sister. Thank the Lord for his mercies. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to turn to someone close to you And just tell them one thing that you are thankful to God for today. Right now, just turn to someone close to you and say, I am thankful for whatever it is you want to be thankful to God for. You know, it's in prayer and thanksgiving that our strength is renewed. And we grow stronger in Jesus. The devil is unable to choke out a praying and praising Christian. He's unable to choke a praying and praising Christian. So we need to pray and we need to praise God. And Satan is no match for a praying and a praising Christian. Amen. Deuteronomy 4 and 9 says that God's people, as they're referred to as wheat, that we should stay alive even in the midst of all the tears. And it says, don't forget the things your eyes have seen. Your ears have heard. Don't forget the experience you had with God when you first came to him. Don't forget the things your ears have heard and your eyes have seen and the things that God has done in your life. It says, don't let them slip away from your heart or you will lose your love for the Lord and appreciation for what he has done for you. So we need to remember every day the goodness of God. Look back in your life and see where you're coming from. And don't forget the goodness of God. If you you forget... Like this text says, these things will slip away from your heart and from your memory, and Satan will move in and choke us out spiritually. He says one of the reasons that we shouldn't forget them is that we need to tell it to our children and to our grandchildren and to our friends and to everyone that we know. If we allow it to slip out of our mind, what do we have to tell? So we have to remember. And then to reinforce our memory, we need to tell it to everyone that we love and care about. And you know why the Bible says we should do that? So they too will love God they too will love God. So these are some of the ways the Lord is telling us to keep strong. is to remember the goodness of God, to share the goodness of God, so that others may come to know him and love him the same way that we love him. Yes, we must pray, we must give thanks, We must share our Christian experience while it's fresh on our mind. Share it with our family. Share it with our our friends. And some way, somehow, God is going to bless someone else because of your testimony. You know, if you don't have a Christian a conversion experience, sometimes we think we don't have a conversion experience because we are looking for this dramatic experience that others have, you know, they were almost to death and Jesus healed them, they came back, they were in drugs and, you know, they almost got caught and, you know, we're looking for the dramatic. But Jesus worked also in the quietness of our heart. Like the wind is blowing and we don't even understand, but we feel it and we experience it. So don't say as a Christian that you don't have a testimony. Every Christian has a testimony. You have to know from where the Lord has taken you and that experience of the change that you see in your life. You experience it. You have a testimony. If you don't know your testimony, I beg you to pray and ask God to, to just give you one or to just remind you of how he quietly, day by day, bring about that change in your life and has brought you to where you are. So this is the one, one of the ways we can keep from falling asleep. It's to share testimony. We may not know the 2300-day prophecy to explain it, but no one can take from me the day that I decided to give my heart to Jesus and what it's like, it's as fresh on my mind as if it happened yesterday. And that's the most powerful testimony that the Holy Spirit can use you to share with someone that will make that difference in your life. And as you're sharing it, and as you're remembering it, it strengthens you. You can say, Lord, if it weren't for you, I remember before then who I was. And if it wasn't for you, Lord, where would I be today? So you're strengthening your own faith, and you're helping someone else to be strengthened, and to love Jesus. So don't fall asleep, friends. We need to just remember the goodness of God. Let us be diligent that the only way that we can remember our first love. Keep your experience alive. Pray constantly. Give generously i've i've never heard of a person who give and then had nothing at all in return it seemed like the more you give is the more it comes back to you so trust god at his word constantly share what is the word of god a smile a positive word of affirmation that someone is down and just don't know what to do share what god has given you and you would, be, you would find out that it would help you in your Christian experience. Amen. Another way to strengthen our Christian experience is with our tongue. Now, this could go both ways, you know, but we choose the positive way. Amen? Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Amen. Grace and salt. You know, sometimes we say, well, that's me. I just say what I have on my mind, and that's it. Yeah, I know that's you. But that's not God. God. That's not God. He is asking us to season our conversation with grace and salt. You know, you don't find anyone running to Jesus or running to the church because you spoke your mind and said what was on your mind. But you will find them running to Jesus because you say a word of hope, a word of encouragement, a word of love to them, and they come back for more. Amen. And so Jesus is asking us to be gracious with our words, to pray and ask him. Like my mom would say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say <laughs> Don't say anything. Wait till you can find something. And listen, there is not a person in this world that you can't find something positive to say about. I challenge you. No matter how bad they are, no matter what part of life they are, there is something good you can find in each person in this world to say something positive. So there's no excuse for that. Psalms 34 verse 13 says, so set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. So before the words come out, maybe we should ask ourselves, will that glorify God, or will that dishonor him? So keep that door of your lips And pray before you speak. And Proverbs 26, verse 20 says, Without wood, the fire goes out. And without gossip, the arguments cease. (laughs) You know, sometimes we think we're doing each other good. We hear someone say something negative about my friend Sister Sandra, and I think that I'm doing her good. Sandra, you know, you know what Brother Stewart said. Mm-hmm. The next time Sandra and Brother Stewart meet, you know what she's how she's going to approach him? Hi, Brother Stewart. There's a distance already because I've already set it up for a negative experience. But if you hear him say something negative, and instead you say, you know, that may be true, but I tell you, I know this good thing about her. There's one good thing I know about her, is X and Y and C. You have just deflated that negative. She doesn't know that he has said something negative. And you know what happened many of the time? Later on, that person will realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that because now that I get to know her a little better, I see her in a different light. And they become friends and they talk about it. They say, you know, when I met you first, I thought you were so-and-so-and-so. But now that I get to know you, man, you are so different. And so you have saved the friendship. If you go ahead and you... Even if it's the truth, sometimes the truth needs to be sealed, not spoken, to save relationship and to allow God to do his work in us. So if you hear someone say something negative about me, don't tell me. I don't wanna hear it, you know? If you wanna help me, talk to that person and say, oh, you know, this is, I know she may be that way, but you know what, the good thing about her is this one thing. Find one good thing. And then, if you wanna go a little further, you, you can just encourage them to be more positive, to see something positive in each other. Well, How is that going to help me? Now I'm going to be a scared of this one. I don't want to have anything to do with this one because this one said this. Let it be. Let God do his work. And in his own time if he's going to bring those people around he will. If he doesn't it's okay. But I want to be able to go up to that person and say good morning and how are you? and with no boundaries, with nothing, because I know nothing. Amen. Now, if they're planning to a plot for my life, tell me. <laughs> but other than that, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And this is some of the ways we can get rid of gossip amongst us and all the negativity. People will stop telling you things because they know that you don't want to hear it. It's not a concern of you always saying positive things about someone else. And so they'll say, you know, that Sister Meryl, she always lifting her hands and praising, so <laughs> leave her alone. Just don't tell her, OK? That's not going to help. Give the Holy Spirit a chance to work on their hearts. Don't do the work of God for Him. He can handle it. Psalms 39, verse 1. Let us guard our ways so that we may not sin with our tongue. Before we speak, we need to ask ourselves will these words glorify my Creator? Or can Satan use my words as evidence of denying Christ? Yes, brethren, we are no match for the enemy. We need Jesus in our lives to help us to live this life. Because so, some of us are so used to this in our lives that, you know, it takes prayer and daily discipline to, to avoid and to start change the habits. First Corinthians ten and verse twelve says, Let him who thinks he's standing take heed lest he fall. Because while men slept, the enemy came in and so seed. Don't be so confident. Daily you still have to walk that Christian path. There is a real spiritual warfare going on. It's not visible to the naked eyes. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit that navigate in our lives, we would be swallowed up, choked by the many distractions of this world. So pray daily for the Holy Spirit to be with us every minute of the day. The word spoken by someone who is very close to death is very important and very significant. And one of the last conversation Jesus had with his disciples is, was about the Holy Spirit. He, he just wanted them to know that he had to go. But the Holy Spirit is coming, and he would be their teacher. He would be their comforter. He would be the one who would convict hearts to know Jesus as Savior. He would be the dominant person of the Godhead, living here among earth until Jesus comes back again. Let us not underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit daily. We cannot be successful Christians without the Holy Spirit. Just, it, it just cannot happen. It was so important that Jesus took that time out to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to die, I, you know, I'm going to be crucified, but listen to, up to what I'm saying to you about the Holy Spirit before I go so that you can be equipped to help finish the work of God. And you know, we're talking here about wheat and tears. We don't know for sure the difference between a wheat and a tear. And this is why God asks us not to judge. Because many who look like wheat are tears. And many who look like tears are wheat. And so what would happen is that we would pull up the wrong one, the wheat for the tears or the tears for the wheat. So he asked us to leave this work to him. So we have to constantly ask the Holy Spirit just to lead us. It's not important that we know who's a wheat and who's a tear. That's not important to our salvation. The thing is, we just need to know that they exist. And that's what we need to do to be overcomers. And we need to be about our father's business, upward and onward, marching until we see Jesus. That's what we need to focus on. Don't become the judge of that. I want to give you two illustrations of that. First, I'm going to talk about, Judas. You know, Judas was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Jesus named him. He was named as one of his disciples. Yet Judas, first we saw that when Mary anointed Jesus with the expensive perfume, that he was outraged because he said that that money could have been used for better things than that. But the Bible so said, he said not because he loved the poor, but because he was a thief. That's what the Bible says. And so Jesus rebuked him and told him to leave her alone, because what she's doing is very important. Because the poor you have always. But me, I'm just here for a little time. And she's doing the work of God. And then we find out, we drop down to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 15. And recall that that Judas sold his master out for 30 pieces of silver. He walked with him the same three and a half years as the other disciples. He heard the word of God. He saw the miracles. He saw the change in life. Everything, Jesus treated him no different than he treated the others. Yet he chose, he chose to sell his master out for 30 pieces of silver. And if you read the story, you would find out that in the early years, maybe the first three years of them being together, Judas was like almost in the background. No one heard about him. He was just there, one of the 12 disciples. But remember what we said about wheat and tears, that they look the same in the beginning. It's only as they mature and start bearing fruit That you will know the difference between them, and it is said that in the region where Jesus um, told this parable, there is um, a poisonous darnel, or they some of them call it false wheat, that grows there, that when it, it, it likes the same climate as the wheat. So you will always find it where you find wheat. But you will never know the difference until it's too late, because when it grows up and it starts bearing, it'll have a black poisonous um, wheat-like plant to, fruit to it. While, so that is why Jesus said, don't try to pluck it up, because they look so much alike that you will make a mistake. And so in Judah's early life, I think many of the people around him would say that he is surely a wheat. He was so much, you know, in the background, just there doing his thing. But in the end, we see that he was truly a tear. And let's go contrary to that. And let's look at Saul. And we see that Saul, born in Tarsus of a Jewish parents, parents were Roman citizens. History seemed to indicate his early years, they moved to Jerusalem. He studied the law. He studied Hebrew scripture with the greatest rabbi of his time. Gamaliel. Some would say he was groomed for greatness. And then we pick him up in history again in Acts chapter 7, verse 54 to 60, when a young man named Stephen, the first deacon chosen in the new church, was stoned to death for preaching the word of God. Stephen's clothes were laid at the feet Of a young man named Saul. And Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 tells us Saul wholeheartedly approved of Stephen's death. Wholeheartedly approved of Stephen's death. And after that, he had this relentless pursuit of Christian and persecution. When the brethren heard the name Saul, they quivered. The church was just scattered all over the place because Saul even went to the leaders and asked them for letters of permission to be able to persecute and slaughter the saints of God. He couldn't go any further. He did all he could to get rid of Christianity. But one day, Christ met him on his way to Damascus when he was going to persecute Christian, and he asked him, why are you persecuting me? And he had that wonderful experience that we know about and became a powerful, effective servant of God. Near the end of his life, he penned these words in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 to 9. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not just for me, but for all those who love his appearing. Do you see why God asked us not to root up the weeds or the tears, to leave them going? Because to the early church, Saul looked very much like a tear, very much like a weed, very much against the will of God. But in the end, in the end, he was converted. His life was changed. And now Saul becomes Paul and was persecuted now for the sake of Christ and was glad to be numbered with those who are persecuted. And so there may be people that God is working on who seem a little rough around the edges. Let God work on them. There are some who look like they're ready for translation. Let God work on them. Let us allow God to do his work in the heart of the men and women among us. I fought a good fight. I have kept the faith confident in his salvation. What a testimony for someone who started out looking so much like a tear. Conversion makes the difference. Conversion, when you give your heart to God. So, the good news is that the harvest is almost here. Amen? Amen? The harvest is almost here. Revelation 14, verse 14 to 19. Son of God coming is coming with a sharp sickle. He's almost here. Matthew 13, verse 30 says... Let them grow together until the day of harvest. And Jesus said he's about to come. And he's the one who's going to give the reward according as his work shall be. Revelation 21 verse 1, he said, a new heaven and a new earth I have prepared for you. There'll be no more tears, no more death, no more sickness. We think about Sister Betty, you know, last Sabbath, Elder and myself, his wife and son went to see her and we thought we would be able to give her communion. And when we went there and we saw her, we realized that, oh, this is not what we were hoping for. And I remember her saying, I didn't know I could feel this bad. She was feeling so sick. Just three weeks before that, we had gone to see her, and she still had spunk, and she still was making decisions of where she wanted to be and, you know, all the other things, you know, Sister Betty. But this time we saw her, and the fight was gone. But I thank God, even in that time when she was in that she still find a way to give God a thumbs up. As we prayed and as we said words of encouragement, she is like that's all she had. Amen. She couldn't talk, she couldn't do anything, but she in agreement with what we are saying. We are tired and fed up of the sinful world. The disappointments, the death, the sickness, everything that is negative. We look forward for Jesus to come and gather his people home. That was his plan all along, that we would never suffer like this. But we went the wrong way. But thank be to God that he wants to bring us back now to himself. He's coming soon. He's coming soon, Revelation 29 looking forward to the promise of his coming, of the new heaven and the new earth, where the former things are passed away. No more sickness, no more debt, no more disappointment, no more abuse, no more violence. I'm, I'm just ready for an upgrade on this body. I don't know about you. And he says he's going to make it a better body than it is today. Keep sharing your testimonies. Keep telling people about the goodness of God. Keep looking upward. Please keep moving forward with Jesus. Don't get stagnant. You know, you, you may be wounded, afflicted, but keep Upward, keep forward, despite the enemy's slander. This is not the time to sleep, brothers and sisters. It's time to move forward and upward in Jesus' name. While men slept, the enemy sowed seed. So stay alert, brothers and sisters. Stay vigilant. Keep looking up in prayer. Keep looking up in praising and studying the word asking the Holy Spirit to live and move in our hearts as we share his word. Let's use our tongue to the glory of God so that he can be edified. Soon the master of the vineyard will be here to gather his wheat home. Maybe there's someone here today who may not be ready and I just want to encourage you, don't miss out on this opportunity to be one of God's wheat in his vineyard so that he will gather us all home together. And brothers and sisters, may we all be wheat here, everyone that's listening to my voice, may we all be wheat so that when Jesus comes, he will gather us Unto himself. And in the meantime, let's push him upward and forward as we prepare to meet Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your words to our hearts today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that will take them and place them upon our hearts and realize them in our lives, in our everyday living. We ask that you will be with each of us here as we leave. May we go with you, Lord. And may we choose this week to pray, to praise for the Holy Spirit to be with us every day, to help someone along the way, to say a word of cheer to someone this week. May our lives, like you told the children of Israel, Lord, As they share this, they will not forget, and others may come to love you. In Jesus' name, amen.